the most satisfaction comes from looking back through an old like visual diary. If I flick through an old sketchbook and like see the time that I've spent going through each of these pages, such a timestamp is so personal. I'm more proud of that than any of the public works. I'll even still flick through and see these little watercolour studies of things that I never actually painted. Sometimes you can pinpoint the moment that you did paint that study and you're like, yeah, like I was sitting in the airport in Kuala Lumpur and I was on like a 17 hour layover. G'day, this is Living the Dream, a podcast from Gage Roads where you'll hear from people who are all about going after what they love. We'll chat to photographers, musos, surfers, designers, a range of people who are living life their way. This is fun today. I'm at James Giddy's place. He's an artist. You'd know his mural work, uh, also his exhibitions as well. And he's got a new one uh, coming up, Strangers to Mortality, in uh, a couple of weeks' time in East Vic Park. But we're sitting at his place and we're having a chat. James, g'day. How you doing? Yeah, good. How much do you love what you do? Probably the most out of anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, Mum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Mum. Yeah, no, definitely living the dream. I don't know, that's a pretty broad question, isn't it? Well, do you, do you reflect back much at, at how it started and, and where you've ended up now, the, the journey that you've, you've taken to get here? Recently, yes. Um, I've definitely just been looking at where I'm at and, you know, you sort of pinch yourself every now and then. You're looking at past projects and... Yeah, there's a couple of murals that I sort of see that I've done and you're just like, oh, I don't know what I was thinking with that one. And But like at the time, I just remember that feeling of just like pride in the completion of it and like leaving something in that space that's going to be a part of everyone's everyday life who passes that. And so, yeah, I guess it's just like it's been quite a reflective period, you know, like, and looking back to those roots, especially. Yeah. I think a lot of people have probably gone through that over the last couple of years. Um, has that chance to maybe pause, reflect, find some space, opened up new opportunities or given you some clarity about where you want to go and what you want to do next? It has, but it's also opened up more questions. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, You know, like, you've got so many options on the table and, you know, like, especially in Australia, like, you're living in this land of opportunity, really, isn't that what it's called? Or maybe that's America, but... We'll take it too, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, There's just so many paths that you can take and it's, I guess, where I've sort of gotten to is that no decision is final, you know, like any decision you make is going to be the right decision and you just have to appreciate that and accept that. So you can do something now, but that doesn't mean that's always what you do or what you're known for. You can flip around and change it up. But if you find something else that's interesting, you can just go down that rabbit hole too. Yeah, exactly. So I guess it's being content in discomfort and change. The murals for you, they still are massive, but I feel like there was a period for you where... Uh, you're really known for your murals. You're doing a lot of mural work. You're flying to all parts of the country and even overseas to do that work. Was Were you happy to go with that and get on the roll with that? Or were there times where you thought, why am I doing this? I want to do other things as well. In the moment, so that was, I was on what I thought was just like the most awesome trajectory 
that I could possibly be on. And who knows where it would have gone, like whether it would have continued or whether it would have just sort of panned out the same way it's panned out. But I guess like, yeah, on the way to COVID, I was that year leading up, or like the two years leading up, I'd sort of done, you know, like mural festivals over East and then done like big three-storey shopping centre over there as well. I'd been on the road a lot and then, yeah, did a commission over in Los Angeles, did one in India. I had a couple lined up over East and then COVID hit. And then all of a sudden, like, the rug was out from my feet. And that was, like, again, like, adapting to that change. Um, But when I was in that trajectory, I thought that was all I wanted to do ever. And then it was sort of, like, acknowledging that the other parts of my life and practice were just as important and noticeable. So you were loving it and you were throwing all your energy at your public art. Yeah. And then something out of your control stops it. How long did it take you to get your head around that and not get too down in the dumps with it and think, okay, here's an opportunity to explore something else? I don't know. I'm not really one to linger on, like, despair too much, you know. Like, obviously get down like anyone, but always try and make the most out of a situation where I can. So, yeah, it didn't discourage me much, really. I don't know, it was like the stepping stones that I needed almost to sort of take it in a different direction and get out of that place of comfort. Yeah. What is it? And you still do them, right? So uh, there was yeah. obviously a period there where you, you stopped because you had to. Um, but what is it that you love about public art and, and painting murals? I like that it's for everybody. So when you're painting on the street, you don't have your audience dictated by that sort of gallery crowd or somebody that knows art the people that are experiencing it they come out of the bathroom of their office like you know like wherever they are they'll see it i don't know why i started with bathroom on that but (laughs) 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 um yeah it's for everybody and yeah removing that stigma and getting that instant appreciation for your work or depreciation like when People don't like it or it's almost more fun than when they do like it. <laughs> Has that happened? Have you had some feedback where people have hit you up or? Yeah, it's usually, it's usually like, cause I've painted a lot of wildlife. Yeah. It's usually on the species that I'm painting. Like the person will have a personal vendetta against a cockatoo or, a, <laughs> and you're just like, it's not that deep, mate. Like, yeah. I didn't invent the animal. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> I've just like, chucked it up on a wall. Yeah. And often there's a tender process for those you know, like, and you've gone through the committees and you've gone through, you know, like, public opinion and these people are just like, no, but my opinion's more important. So It's just it, really passionate about hating cockatoos. Well, that's it. And yeah. like, I don't know why. Like, often they'll tell me the story, but by that point I'm just sort of, like, it's over my head. That yeah. is that is interesting um, because a lot of your, your mural work comes from nature, right? Flora and fauna and it's got a real Australiana feel to it. Yeah. Um, and you find a great way, I think, to, uh, to, to to paint the scenery almost inside the image in a lot of ways. Where, where did that love for, for nature come from? I guess just from being immersed in it. I grew up with a fairly sort of outdoor focus, um, a lot of time at the beach, a lot of time in the bush, uh, hiking and camping sort of holidays with the family. And so that 
I guess, stemmed into – I and my family's from South Africa, so when we'd go on holidays, we'd go to Africa and visit grandparents, go on safari, you know, like have these experiences that really throw you into that wilderness and you're sort of like, oh, cool, like these like – animals pretty phenomenal like when you're actually looking at them like you know you're in a you might go somewhere and do a tour of the art gallery and look at all the paintings in like fine detail and marvel at someone's skill but like in africa you go on in these like safaris and you're in these like open top troopies just like with binoculars and a camera and like you're observing these animals and like their details and you're getting guided tours on the animal and you're like, oh, it's pretty cool. <laughs> like, So I guess you're just like subconsciously being taught to appreciate it for, as it is as a being. Yeah. So that, that was when you were young? You'd go yeah, back to yeah. South Africa and go on safari and get up close? Yeah. When I was young, <laughs> I can't tell you. I think the last trip I did was probably like 2016. Yeah, right. Um, so that was like, yeah, not too long ago. Did your family have a lot of influence over you getting into art or did you find that yourself? Um, Mum was definitely very encouraging to sort of, you know, like I'd want the new plastic sword from the toy shop and she'd be like, uh, make one out of this beer carton that your dad's just finished. <laughs> like, And then like I think I made lightsabers. There was those like tubes of M&Ms. Oh, yeah. I remember those. Yeah. yeah. So I'd get like the, the tube of from the M&Ms and then I'd like colour a whole sheet of like A3 paper in red crayon and I'd roll it up and then put it in the tube and I'd have my like red lightsaber. <laughs> it's like it worked but yeah so it was definitely encouraged by the family like to be creative and like find alternative ways of getting what you wanted. So if your mum just had have bought your toys maybe you wouldn't have ended up being an artist? Yeah I mean look, every possibility <laughs> um so yeah i guess my grandfather also had a lot to do with it like in his retirement he was sort of teaching himself watercolors right um and so i guess when he'd come here we'd sort of just like go out and uh, my sister and i would sit there and paint with him and it sort of taught that real like thing of patience and you know like you know really picking up on that when you're 10 years old or younger but um it's just like showing like that whole process of like going out there and just drawing as an activity he was a bank manager so he wasn't like actually an artist or anything when he was living but like yeah he was just picking it up and so I guess we were learning while he was learning so you were that kid that you're always making something whether you had a pencil in your hand or a paintbrush or you know you were turning the M&M packet tube into a lightsaber that you're always kind of creating something as a kid yeah and I, that's definitely translated to my life now it's like except now i'm just like at bunnings and i'll be like oh new power tool i can have something <laughs> <laughs> so you're handy you, you can you that that translates into um you know well, building a shelf or probably wouldn't sell it but yeah <laughs> i yeah i'll um i'll give it a go <laughs> red hot crack yeah i like that do you remember your first mural i do yeah so yeah they were at um, the Ocean Beach Hotel in Cottesloe. That was, yeah, it was a pretty cool little string of events for that one. Um, I think like, my best mate at the time was dating the daughter of one of the owners. Right. And um, anyway, got chatting. They 
offered me to paint the beer garden there and I think we sort of just went in on the agreement that I'd paint it white if it didn't look any good because I was like obviously pretty nervous going into painting a wall for the first time after never painting anything bigger than like a A3 bit of paper. So you had a little back out there just in case it didn't work out. Yeah. Yeah, it's in a white paint, we'll be okay. (laughs) It was like, you're still paying me, but... And then, yeah, they they were really happy with it. I was stoked on it. I think I was like literally scaling it up, like measuring my bit of paper and then scaling that up. And that was like how I sketched it. I was like, so like, it has to be like perfect. And then like, you realise it actually looks worse when you've tried to do it that way because it's just like better to freehand and get it fitting the space. But yeah, so they got me back to do another one and that's, I think, the beer garden sign's still out the front on Marine Parade. What was it that you painted? A bunch of ibises, like yeah, right. black and white ibises and then a peacock. They were all black and white, like just with a like rat sail paintbrush from the from Bunnings and some just a pot of black paint. It's probably the best, best scenario. <laughs> kept, kept it simple. And then yeah. when they asked you back, you thought, oh, I actually might be able to do this. Yeah, this could was, be my thing. Man, I thought it was like the best thing ever. I was like working all these hospo jobs and um, yeah, a bit of labouring, like, you know, like any way to get money up until that point. And then all of a sudden, like, got like two weeks' pay for doing like a couple of paintings. And I was like, whoa, I enjoy painting. Like, this makes sense. What What made you think that you could do it? Where is it something that you'd thought? about or was it more that there was an opportunity there and you thought I might be able to do that I'll figure out how I don't even know it was like I think I'm always one to like just throw myself into anything that I'm passionate about so it's you know like yeah you'll get all of me into the one thing and I'll do it to a point where I'm like if I know it's good like I'll carry on doing it or I would get as far as I can and then if I don't think there's a future in it, I'll probably need to cut out. So that flicked a switch for you in a way? Yeah. 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 I guess like, yeah, seeing that door open and I was like, oh, you know, like I was never really on the table, like sort of at school, definitely like commended for the art and like it was acknowledged that I would like the skills but it wasn't really like thought of as a career option right so you didn't leave school thinking i'm gonna be an artist no nah. <laughs> yeah i had no idea what i was doing when i was gonna leave school um i guess the end goal at that point was just get the grades and go to uni <laughs> yeah just do the, the thing right you yeah know? yeah but so i actually at in that last year of school i had i uh, tore my acl playing footy and then had to have a reconstruction that summer like after exams and everything because obviously you don't really want to be taking pain meds while you're sitting in your exam hall <laughs> yeah yeah get some freaky answers yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um yeah waited a few months for the surgery and then had it over that summer and it was like that period of rest i think where like yeah you've got the time to sort of process everything and just be like you know what, like, I actually really enjoy it. And I was doing it, I was definitely, like, getting in trouble for it by my parents for, like, spending, like, eight hours on a painting rather than studying for an exam. And it's, like, it was just something I did in my spare time 
and I mean those paintings were for my final art piece and projects at school but it was like they're like what are you doing <laughs> you're meant to be studying for these exams like that's yeah biology's on tuesday come on yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> just like man you don't have time for this i was like yeah no, i've got this it's i got it good. yeah trust me yeah <laughs> it's interesting though because you know we started off talking about how covid gave a little bit of space and maybe led to different opportunities or a thought even about what i want to do next but even back then there was what three months laid up with the knee reconstruction and that gave you a little bit of space to maybe consider what you would do after school. Yeah, exactly. And I think the world, like the modern world is like so easy to get caught up in everything and trying to be up with the latest trends and, or like trying to keep up with things all the time. Whereas like it's those periods where you slow down that you actually gain clarity, like keeping up with things. It's like beneficial to a degree, but, when you actually step away, that's when you can see it as an, like with an observational perspective and you're sort of like, oh yeah, that actually isn't where I want to be or like that's not the direction that I want to be going on. Well, it's tough to stop, right? Because I feel like there you're taught when you're young and there's probably a culture of it now to, to hustle and to go hard and to keep it going. So it takes a pretty it's a pretty brave decision to think oh, I'm just going to turn the tap off for a bit and yeah. have a look around and figure out what I'm going to do next. Because with that, there's a fear that if you do that, someone else might take your thing. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. But I guess it's, yeah, it's that chasm of comfort, right? It's so easy to be confident and believe in yourself and believe in the people around you when you're comfortable in that environment. And, you know, like it's easy to be blindsided to the fact that, there are other things to get excited about. So it's like those moments of forced change and f- sort of forced adversary where I've been like, ah, oh, true, you know, like, because I, I got caught up in it for sure. Like I was, after those first murals, I sort of like got on this bandwagon, um, did this like little internship at the corner gallery when that was going, got, um, involved in the form public project oh cool um so doing like murals alongside these international artists who like that was massive for me i was like whoa like these guys are just like floating around doing all their murals everywhere they go that's what they do and it was just like this land of opportunity and then all of a sudden like the final years of uni hit and i didn't have enough time to be painting all these murals and like it wasn't really accepted as fine art because they were just you know like more an aesthetic like thing for the people rather than these things of great meaning and yeah going through that that made me slow down and then I at the time I was really resentful I was like oh no like why this is like making me stop doing these murals or like it was a choice thing I guess I was like I should probably prioritize this and then yeah, it came, came out of it. And now I look back at that and I was like, slowing down was probably the best thing that had happened to me because like putting out as many paintings as you can on as many walls as you can isn't where you need to be in life, you know, like putting a bit more time and leaving less but better paintings. Yeah. That's sort of where I want to be. It is funny how things happen to you, to us, to everyone that make you slow down. And yeah. take stock. And at that point, it's up to you whether you listen or not. 
and and where you go. But I do feel like when you need it, sometimes those things come in and they're they're pretty painful at the time. But you look back on it and you go, "Thank God that happened." Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's funny. Like in the moment, you're probably not even acknowledging at all that that is a life-changing moment. No. You're probably just pissed off. It's or, a pain in the ass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, you look back with clarity and you're like, that was great. So are these some of the, the themes that come up in your new exhibition? Because I was keen to talk about that, Strangers to Mortality, 25th of November at East Victoria Park. Yeah. Where in Vic Park is it? It's at, at the Art Framers. That's right. Yeah, so it's like the Kent Street and Albany Highway yeah. um, intersection pretty much. We'll chuck some um, details up. Uh, in the show notes, but uh, are these some of the themes of this exhibition and, yeah. and what you're pointing to? Yeah, definitely. So I guess a big part of this exhibition is sort of highlighting that people don't make the best of what they've got or like don't appreciate the society or the surroundings in their immediate environment, you know? And so I've done like this little series of videos which are almost artworks in themselves, but they've been for the promotion of it. And I've like, loved those. Yeah. 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 They've been sort of like taking the piss out of it a bit by like, you know, painting pieces from the show in these beautiful settings where you sort of like, you know, expect it to be painting one of the other subjects or like scenes that's evident. But instead it's just like, you know, hi, oh, yes, like must paint this bottle of Tabasco. Like, <laughs> yeah, but it, that's just a parallel in that, you know, like people will climb a mountain these days, they'll get to the top, take a photo and then climb Come back straight down. back down. And you're like, what are you doing? Like you're using that photo to show people that you climbed the mountain. Is that all you went there for? Was that one photo? Like take some time and like sit at the top. Yeah. I guess like a big part of it is the expectations on creators and I guess like any anyone on social media to be keeping up with everything and you know like there's this expectation that like oh no you're not making reels you're not keeping up you're gonna fall out of the off the map and become irrelevant and it's like in that scene yes you are going to become irrelevant maybe who knows but in the bigger picture you're still there you're still making stuff and there's so much more to it, you know, like you've still got a website, you've still got clients, you've still got X, Y, Z, like. So is that a real pressure then in your world and for what you do, the the expectation of what you need to, to show on social media and how often you need to chuck a reel together as opposed to, to the work itself? Like, do, do, you, do you feel that? I remove myself from it pretty well in that like, yeah, it is part of, business and i'll do it but i don't get like too consumed by it right um you can keep a lid on it yeah yeah i know it's an expectation i know i need to do it but it's not something that i'm feeling like i'm consumed by um how how significant and important is this exhibition to you i don't know I, i guess it's coming off the back i haven't really exhibited in purse properly for about two years since I had this show in 2020 um, called Spectator. And that was huge. Like had a line down the street. It's at Cleaver Street in West Perth. And yeah, it was so cool. Like just seeing that many people engaged in the work. And Did that surprise you, that that turnout? Oh, yeah, massively. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, what is everyone doing here? Like, it's great. Guys, what are you here for? Yeah. yeah. 
But, um, I mean, it made sense. Like, I put a lot of work into that. And, like, again, putting a lot of work into this one, again, don't know how many people will go. But it's just significant to me in terms of it's going out of that comfort zone where it is just putting a completely new body of work out. Because you talked about what's inspired it and maybe the themes behind it, but how would you describe the, the work itself? Yeah, so I guess what I failed to mention before was like a big part of that is the consumerist sort of quality that comes out of being caught up in the social realm and like, you know, like how like this identity that was once a sellout is now sort of celebrated. And so I've sort of sold out my own name almost by rebranding all of these familiar products. Um, it's your name, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's, it's just giddy brand everything. And so... You're such a wanker, James. Yeah. I'm, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, man, back in the day, everyone would be like, oh, this guy's got a fucking ego. <laughs> but, but That's the point, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that's the thing. It's just like, that is the expectation. You are expected to be everywhere doing on everything, like having endorsements from people, having your name in the forefront and at you want to be that person that is progressive, you know, like that is what you're expected to be. Do, do you feel like as an artist, your name is your brand? And is that an oh, uncomfortable totally. thing to balance? Yeah. Well, and that, yeah, that's, I guess, part of it as well. Yeah. Like your name is your brand. And I guess this, as much as it is sort of like a good rebrand almost, you know, like stepping away from sort of, nature and plant-based things and stepping into more like i guess subjective it's like a lot of it's quite graphic you know like yeah. the colors and the, the paintings and products they are very much like here's an advertisement but then it's like still a fine oil painting and it's been rebranded <laughs> was it was it a challenge to to step out of maybe like stylistically to to kind of venture into that that world not particularly i mean like it I guess it was. There was a sort of transitional point in the background of everything. So, like, still painting the murals, still doing watercolour painting, still, you know, there's a big balance between all these things, but it was just, like, this slow transition with my oil works where it was, like, you know, they're still subjects isolated in an ambiguous sort of gestural ground, but it's just, like, this shift in colours. And it was – it started, you know, like, there was – this like dirty sort of purple colour that sort of shifted from this dirty grey blue that I was using. And then I was like, oh, that works. And I was like, maybe I'll go this like sage sort of lichen green. And then I just like started stepping into all these other colours and I was like, oh, that really works and that works and that works. And then like picking colours from each product and it was just so pleasing in that process of, understanding what works with what you could feel your your brain firing when you were getting it right like yeah yeah okay and it's funny like i guess like a lot of people have asked me that is like how, what's the sort of weight on this exhibition like are you scared that it's gonna not be a success and i was like well if you ask an artist when they like release their work they've released it at a point where they're happy with it so to them at that point it is a success yeah you know what i mean like like right now I'm looking at the works and I'm like, this is the best body of work I've ever done. And it's like, you're looking at other elements and like, yeah, maybe it won't sell. Who knows? Maybe it will. But like, that's what other people are basing the success off. Mm -hmm. 
So you're like, is that actually important? Or am I just going to be content in that I've released this body of work that's completely different? For you, how does an exhibition come together or, or a series of work? Are you someone that it starts with just paints are out and you're seeing what happens? Or do you craft a theme and go from there and then paint the work? Or is it always different? It's like a door that you like are slowly opening. It's like it's all there, but you don't. Like, I can't open it too quickly. Otherwise, it just becomes this mess. And you're like, oh, that doesn't make sense. Like, you know, and I'll, I'll find a lot of the time if I do studies, it helps slow that process down. So, like, working out of, like, a little journal, doing watercolour paintings of things that I want to paint as oil paintings helps me understand if they're going to work together. Um, and a lot of the time, you just have to get a painting out. And you're like, it's a sick painting, but it's not going to work with that series. So that's a, quite a slow process in building up this body of work because it's like I've, I had the idea and then it was just this matter of like the idea started. I was out in the wheat belt, this house that I stay at with, like I've become really good friends with this family out there. I stay out there like every now and then, quite often actually. Um, yeah, it's like a home away from home. They've got all these like empty farmhouses on their property. A lot of them are like in complete ruins but then – there's like this one that's almost intact, like as an actual house. And I'm like walking through, like, oh, this is sick. Like, probably paint something in here. And um, this the idea started was, which was like, oh, I want to do this exhibition in this house where like, I'm. It might just be a video through the house. It might be like an installation in the house. Like, I don't know. I'm gonna like do a body of works and hang them throughout the house and do an installation as if it's been lived in, and then that slowly progressed and I've, I'm still working on that. That's like part two, you know, like, so I've advertised this as part one. Right. <laughs> but yeah, this is all like just evolved as I've gone. Like, you know, like we'll do one painting and I'm like, oh, I could do that one. Oh, that worked well in this one. I'll do that one. And then you're sort of like slowly opening that door and then you're looking at the works as they sit together and you're like, okay, this is going to sort of marry with that one. That one's going to look at that one. And then you're sort of, curating it as you're painting it yeah it takes it, it it slowly reveals itself a little bit but you know it's kind of all there at the start yeah yeah like when i when you get that idea you're like this is a good one well what's that moment feel like i don't know you just, are you a bolt of inspo guy like the idea hits you and it's bang you're off to the races yeah and i'm like an oversharer when that happens oh you're excited right <laughs> man i'm <was> like <laughs> give someone a call and be like I'm going to talk your ear off for like 40 minutes. <laughs> You're just going to sit there. But <laughs> Do you have a go-to that you call for those for those inspo chats or it's just whoever's whoever's closest? Pretty much whoever answers the phone, eh? <laughs> that'd, be a cool, that'd be a cool phone call to get, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, they're usually on the other end just like, yep. And you can like hear that they've started to do something else. Like, Are you cooking dinner? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, Are you even listening right now? <laughs> and this is the greatest goddamn idea of all time. Yeah. I was like, this is going to be amazing. Like, <laughs> I love that. Well, it'd be a cool thing when the person who got that call, you know, then goes to the exhibition or sees the piece or oh, walks exactly. past the mural or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Well, like, yeah, even people that have, I've spoken to that have seen it unfold over the last two years, you know, I kept it on the wrap like on the download, for I guess like until maybe like a month ago, really. Yeah, right. It was like only a sort of close group of people that knew what was happening. And I think even them, because I'd only had that one real 
big bursts of inspiration and conversation with them, it's like they're like, oh, I don't know if it's actually happening. But now that they've seen it and how much work I've put into it, they're just like, this is going to be sick. Yeah. How did you keep it under wraps for that long? We know yeah. you're a sharer. Yeah. But it's like I guess there's that whole mentality that like if you say you're going to do something, you're like almost re- – rewarding yourself by talking about it before you've done it yeah i'm a believer in that i think that works for some people because it puts a pressure on you it, it, it's a contract yeah you have to do it now yeah otherwise everyone you care about thinks you're a flake exactly and yeah it's just like yeah so it's like you know you've said it to someone and you don't want to say it to too many people because if you don't succeed you're like oh yeah then you're really done yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah you've just kicked yourself in the shin need some backup people that you can go to if it doesn't work out yeah <laughs> i like it hey you mentioned that place in the midwest that's become almost like a, a second home do you, do you love to get out into country wa do you, do you feel good when you're out of the city and in the bush that is probably the favorite piece of my practice it's like the relationships that I've developed with people in like, you know, in Wickapoon and Esperance, like they're just like some of the best people you'll ever meet, you know, and they're just like so grounded and just living their lives and in they're just the best people. It's great and it's so nice to have been welcomed and have my work bring me to those people. And, yeah, I guess just, like, having those places to go and sort of, like, take a step back and, yeah, you just slow down. Everything just seems okay after a trip to one of those spots. And, like, you know, like, neither of them are just down the road either. So you want to make a weekend or, like, a week out of it. So you're forced to actually have that time to slow down and to actually immerse yourself in that slower environment. On just on creativity, do you need to put yourself in the right environment to be creative or, or how do you find it? A lot of people I know, they struggle to create when they're happy, which is like, it's really funny. Like a lot of musicians I know, they find a lot more inspiration from like sadness, which I mean, like you'd listen to most songs that you like, most of them are pretty melancholy, like when you actually pace apart the lyrics. Yeah. But I find that I think I get so much like fulfillment out of painting. It's like I struggle. I'm just, I'm quite a happy person as well. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just like, yeah, I'm like at my peak productivity when I'm in a good headspace. And like, I I think I've like, I know myself quite well. It's like if I've got an itch to like go down to the garage and like tinker on a motorbike, I'll do it. Like that's exactly what I need to do in that moment because if I don't do it, I'm still going to want have that tinker like at like 10 o'clock at night or that itch. Um, Bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just going to need to go down and do it. And I was like, you know, like there's no light. There's, you know, just like go down at 2 o'clock in the afternoon while the sun's shining, sit in the sun, have a beer and like do a medial task that you wouldn't have done that's pretty good advice, though. Just listen to yourself. You, you'll tell yourself what you need. Go with it. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like, every time you trust yourself, it's like, no matter how big that sort of level of trust is, like, you're growing and you're, like, becoming stronger and you're, like, I guess you're, you're giving yourself more confidence going into those bigger things. 
you know, like if you trust yourself with that decision on the little things, and obviously like I'm at a luxury where I'm working for myself and I can sort of take those opportunities to go and do that thing when I want to do that thing. But I guess like that just keeps me in that creative headspace because then when I've done that and I've come back, I feel like I've achieved. The motorbike's a pretty good one though. Because yeah. <laughs> you're a motorbike guy, right? Yeah. Hey, I hear you just bought a new one. Oh, mate, that was bad. Oh, no, it was a good, it was a good idea. What, has it given you plenty of time uh, or need to tinker? Is it a working project? Yeah, definitely a working project. But the, the catch was you couldn't buy one without getting a second one. And so I, I have four motorbikes now. <laughs> and the garage... Well, it was a two-for-one deal, was yeah, it? Yeah, you already had a couple. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, look, I've, I've got a lot of inspiration to work on those and not a lot of time... Yeah, you're just throwing yourself <laughs> in the deep end. But, I mean, what's life without a few new projects? That's uh, You need to speak to Dwight, our um, our head of creative, who you know designs everything for, for Gage Roads because yeah. he talks all the time about wanting to get a motorbike. He grew up on them. You know what? Dwight and I, if we're mates. He used to come into the coffee shop that I was working at and we, I would ride a different motorbike probably like week in, week out because I'd, I've always had this thing where I'd like buy, you know, like a little like uh, basket case and do it up a little bit and then, you know, sell it probably at a loss most <laughs> of the time. Like, <laughs> Just you tell know. yourself it was a profit, right? Yeah. No, you always spend more money than you, you know, like you are selling it technically on paper for a profit, you know, like you buy one for 800 bucks, but then you spend about 600 to a grand on it and then you sell it for like 1500 and you're like, oh, <laughs> still lost like 300. But, yeah. but the time spent doing it is so rewarding. But anyway, like I'd always ride something different and like we'd chat for like half an hour and we'd just be like, yeah, all about motorbikes. Other customers just waiting there to like get a coffee, and I'm just like, oh no, sorry, well, we're just chatting. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I've got something new in the garage. Yeah. I got to tell Dwight about it. Well, he's a guy. I reckon if you've got if you've got four there locked up, um, yeah, target him. You'll be okay. Oh, I already told him. I was oh, like, really? mate, <laughs> once I've rebuilt that one, like, bloody hit you up. <laughs> How good's that? Um, is there a piece of art? It might be public art. It might be something you've done for an exhibition that uh, you're most proud of funny like that the public art is so different to the works for an exhibition because i mean technically and i guess with the finished products i feel like a lot of the works that i've done for exhibitions are a lot more satisfying and i'm more proud of them and more keen for people to see them but less people see them like and naturally like instantly when you said that I just like think of these, the cockatoos are painted on that like four story building in Subi because I'll park there often to go like get some art supplies or just like if I'm going to the pub in Subi or something, I'll park in that car park and I'll see it. And I don't often see murals that I've painted. And I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good one. Like, pretty stoked on that one being so close to home and like, you know, like having that ability to look at it. But then. I'll be more proud of a canvas work, but because I see that one and it's massive, like you're naturally just like, oh, I left a pretty big impact in this cup <laughs> park. Like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's a funny question because I mean like. Maybe they're, they're satisfying for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then I guess like the most satisfaction comes from like looking back through an old like visual diary. Right. You know, like if I flick through an old sketchbook and like see the time that I've spent going through each of these pages, like over a period of time, it's just like, oh, cool. Like such a timestamp is so personal. So like that again, like I'm more proud of that than any of the public works. That must blow your mind a little bit when you look back and you can see the origins a little bit. Because you, you forget over time, you know, you, you create something and then it is the final product. But to go back through those and maybe see where ideas first started. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, that's it as well. Like I'll even still flick through and see these little watercolour studies of things that I never actually painted. And I'd be like, I should paint that, you know, like, <laughs> and I might have, that might've been from two years ago. And I was like, I wonder when I painted that. Or sometimes you can pinpoint the moment that you did paint that study and you're like, wow, like I was sitting in the airport in Kuala Lumpur when I was on like a 17-hour layover. Like <laughs> I was like, I had a lot of time on my hands. That's why I painted like four pages in a row here, whereas like there might have been like eight pages of notes before that. You know, like usually I'll do like a page a fortnight. So it's like to do that much in one short space of time is like there's usually a reason. A couple of weeks till the exhibition opens – how manic is this little period and, and how are you feeling before the, the doors fly open? Man, you should see how many boxes of stock that I've got. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've got a little sunroom that's like stacked up with T-shirts, and like new mugs and I don't know, it's definitely one of those periods where you're like just keen to get all the stuff out of my house. And I think there's like a few bits of furniture where I've been like looking to – I guess do like installations or I don't even know what I've been doing with them to be honest, but <laughs> they're just taking up so much space. <laughs> and so it looks as manic as it feels, which is kind of satisfying. Like I hate it when it looks really calm on the surface, but there's like full turbines going underneath the water. Yeah. So like right now it looks chaotic, feels chaotic. And I don't know, I guess like there's a lot of work that's gone into it. I'm proud of it and got good people behind it at the moment. So however it goes is how it goes. <laughs> like, well, can't wait to get down there and check it out. Uh, Strangers to Mortality, Friday the 25th, 6 to 9, Vic Park Art Framers, as you said, which is just on Albany Highway um, in East Vic Park. I guess we'll see you down there in a few Fridays' time. Sweet, yeah, come down for a couple of beers. Look forward to it. Hey, thanks so much for having a yarn and, um, yeah, talking about – kind of all the crazy stuff that you do. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. That's Living the Dream by Gage Rhodes. Gage is an indie brewer just out of Frio in WA that's all about going after it and having an epic time with a few brews. Check them out at gagerhodes.com.au. Thanks again for having a listen. Subscribe so you don't miss an app. Share it with your mates. Chuck us a rating. And get in touch if there's someone you want to hear from on the potty. I'm Jamie Burnett. Cheers.